0: Parsha's Matos Masai, Revenge and justice. In this week's Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu receives the tragic news that nobody ever wants to hear. And Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, you will soon be gathered into your people. Matos. The life of Moshe is now coming to a close, and his last days on this earth would be his final opportunity to achieve even more Shlemus, more perfection of character and mind, before the end of his great career. And what is the last great opportunity that we find Hashem presenting Moshe with? Nikom Nikmat Bnei Yisrael Me'et HaMidyanim Take vengeance for the Bnei Yisrael from the Midianim. Achar el and only afterwards shall you be gathered into your people. Of all the things that Moshe Rabbeinu could have done in his last days, witnessing the retribution upon Midian was so eminently necessary that Hashem declared Moshe's career as still incomplete without it. Now, for us, this should be a big question. Seeking vengeance, we already know, is considered an undesirable attribute. The Torah tells us, Lotikom Tor, Don't try to get even. Don't even bear a grudge against someone. Vayikra. And children from the youngest age are trained to be repelled by the word Nikama. To see it as a contemptible trait of those who lack self-control. And yet here we read that Moshe, our teacher, was commanded to take revenge against his enemies. And not only to take Nikama, but Achar te'asef El Amecha that it would be his final achievement of perfection in this world. It's a puzzle. You'll tell me Midian had to be punished? Okay, let them be punished. But that this should be the grand finale of Moshe Rabbeinu's career? Witnessing the recompense upon the wicked should be the final act of perfection in Moshe's life? To better understand this, we'll listen to a Gemara in Masech de The Gemara there is making a point of explaining how great is Deya. Deya means achieving a clarity of understanding. To make yourself so clearly convinced of the Amuna that you feel Hakadosh Baruch Hu's presence tangibly. And the Gemara brings an illustration of how great Deya is. Gedoyle Deya. Deya is so great. Shinitna ben shte osios. That it's found between two names of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It says in the Pasuk. Ki kel Deus Hashem. A God of knowledge is Hashem. So one side you have Aleph Lamed. That's one of Hashem's names. And the other side you have Yud Vavke, Another name of Hashem. And in the middle you have the word Deus. As was explained once, if you see walking down 13th Avenue three people, let's say on one side is the Satmar Araf, And on the other side let's say is Lubav Echerebe. And in the middle, there's an unknown person. So you understand right away that if he's in the middle of these two great people, then he must be a somebody. Probably he's Mashiach. And so if we see a word positioned between Kel and Hashem, that word signifies something very important. It means like this. If you want to be close to Kel, if you want to be close to Hashem, you know how to do it? Acquire Deya. Be sure to acquire a tangible feeling of a Baruch That's why we find the word Deya surrounded by Hashem's names. Because it brings you close to Hashem. Now the Gemara goes on and asks like this. If that's the criteria of greatness, if a word that is sandwiched between two names of Hashem is a hint at how to come close to Hashem, so we're faced with a problem. Because there's another Pasuk that says, Kel Hashem. Here on one side you have kill, And on the other side you have Hashem. And in the middle you have the word nekamas. Revenge. The Gemara is bothered by that. Are you going to tell me that gedoy nikamah that revenge is also a great opportunity for Kirvat elokim? Isn't revenge a contemptible attribute? How could we say that revenge is like das? That it leads to the highest levels of awareness of Hashem? So the Gemara says, yes. In the right place, revenge is very great. G'doy le says the Gemara, as great as Dea is in increasing your knowledge of Hashem, so is Nakama. It accomplishes the same thing. By seeing that Hashem is kel Nikamas, that he's a lord of vengeance, that's one of the most valuable ways for a person to acquire Das. It's right between the two names of Hashem because revenge is how you get close to Hashem. Now I know that words like these won't settle easily on American ears. But you're hearing now a very important yisud, and I'm not going to let go of it. Every day we say the following words. It's the long hodu before davening. Hinaseh Shofet Ha'aretz. Be elevated, O Judge of the World. Tehillim. It's a tefillah. We're praying that our Kadosh Hu should be elevated in this world. Now, Hashem doesn't need anybody to elevate him. He's elevated just well without your prayers. So what's this tefillah that he should be elevated? What it means is that he should be elevated in the minds of men. That's what we want. That he should be raised up in our minds. Now, how does Hashem become elevated in the minds of men? So we think we know how to exalt him. I know what I would say. He na say shofet how do we elevate you, O judge of the world? By lifting our eyes up high. By looking around and contemplating. Who made all of this? Yeshaya. I would say that we exalt Hashem by viewing all of his miracles in nature. You'd have to be a moron not to see the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in nature. And the evolutionists and the academicians, those who reject the idea of a creator are morons. Look around and you see Hashem. And the more you look, the more Hashem is exalted. But no, says David, that's not the way to uplift the glory of Hashem. That's important too. But it's not everything. Now listen well to his words. He not Shofet Haaretz. How do we see the ruler of the world raised up in this world? Do you know how? Hashem Gemul Al-Gayim. Bring back recompense. It means payment. Upon the arrogant. When Kadosh Baruch who makes a public display of his anger, of his revenge upon the wicked, it's intended to exalt his presence in the eyes of man. Now you should study that Pasuk. And tomorrow when you're saying it, think about it. You want to acquire a tangible feeling of the presence of Hashem? So take a look. When he brings recompense on the arrogant sinners, be sure to witness the hand of Hashem coming down on the wicked. Because that makes the emuna enter into your bones. And that's because no matter how much you see of Hashem, if you don't see him as the Shofet Haaretz, as the judge who is ruling over his world with perfect justice, then you don't see him as clearly as you should. Studying the trees and the dandelions and the apples and all the rest of the Niflais HaBeideh is very good. You'll see other things there, but you need to see the strong hand of Hashem in order to be a real mime. It's only when a person sees the gemul al-gayim, the recompense upon the wicked, that's when he achieves true Dea. And it's not just an added degree of das, a hider. No, the principle of vengeance is essential for man's understanding of Hashem's control in this world. Because when the wicked go unpunished, when people see injustice in the world, they are prone to think that the world is a chaotic and accidental place. Subconsciously, the sight of the criminal walking free or of a wicked person succeeding cements in your mind that this world is a world of injustice, that lays dean, the lays If an African-American hoodlum can stab Yankel Rosenbaum to death for no reason at all, and then be found not guilty because of the color of his skin, and that's exactly what happened, then men will see this world as one of chaos." No matter how much you say you believe in Hashem, it's a bitter pill for the neshama to swallow when it sees wickedness prevail. Every time we read a crime that is committed and the liberal judge who doesn't inflict strong penalties, it's like a dagger in our hearts. We become ruined in our souls. Our souls become depressed more and more. When we hear that the wicked governor, Yemach Shem of the previous one, and the present one as well, that they vetoed the death penalty, a cold, clammy depression settles upon mankind. It makes a crack, a very big crack, in the Yesud that is the foundation of our lives. The attitude that our Kaddosh is in full control. Humanity demands justice, but not merely because we demand deterrence. Certainly it's a deterrent. Don't believe the false statistics of the New York Times and the other liberals. They're all liars. There's no question that when criminals know that the electric chair is waiting for them, they're going to think, not twice, they'll think 50 times before they commit a crime. No question about it. The electric chairs should be working day and night. There are many customers that deserve it. But more important than the deterrent is that our souls are stifled by the injustice. How can we have a Muna that Hashem runs the world when the wicked are running roughshod over everything we believe in? It seems, chas like there's no shoifet, no one who is imposing righteousness in the world. And we stand by and feel helpless. We can't do anything about it. Our souls crave recompense upon the wicked. Now, if I was not a Jew, I would be ashamed to say that. Because even religious Christians, they wouldn't dream of such things. Vengeance? Oh no, never. And so while he's staking a dagger into innocent Jews, he wouldn't dare think of such wickedness as revenge. He says, slap me in the other cheek. Now, the Jew doesn't use any daggers. But he says, Kel nikomos Hashem. Hashem is a God of vengeance, because wickedness must be avenged. Certainly it must be avenged. Now merely to get sadistic pleasure from witnessing the suffering of the wicked is in itself not acceptable to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But we're here for a purpose. We want to feel the presence of Hashem in this world as much as possible. And for that, we must see that He stands on His word and takes revenge against those who rebel against Him. It's an important principle you're hearing now. Some things are wicked in themselves, but when they're utilized for the noble purpose of making progress in life, then not only are they not wicked, not only are they permissible, but they're absolutely a virtue and the virtue of the greatest magnitude. And witnessing the revenge of HaKadosh Baruch Hu upon the wicked is one of those things because we must know, we have to feel it in our bones, that he's reacting to the mysim of man. We say every day in Davening, more than once, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Kel Chai V'Kayyam. He's a living God. Now what does that mean? He's a living God? That he's breathing like you and me? No. Alive means he's a personal God. He's watching, he's reacting, and he's rewarding and punishing mankind. Everything is under the direct control of the Kel Chai Vikayum. There are no accidents. When you see a Rasha getting what's coming to him, that's when you feel a rush of excitement. You see with your own eyes that there really is a Kel Chai V'Kayim. He's not just a distant God. He's right here in front of you, punishing the wicked. That's how a man achieves the perfection of das, of understanding that our Kaddush Baruch Hu is chai, that he is alive, he's watching over everything, and he's reacting. Now, Olam Hazeh is intentionally made by Hashem to be a place where people can easily be deceived. In Mesech de Bavam the Gemara quotes the Pasuk, Tashes Choyshech, V'hihilayla, you made darkness, and it is night, Tehillim. And our sages say it's talking about Oylem Ha'Azeh. HaKadosh Baruch who made this world a world of darkness. A place where it is not always easy to see. It's not only dark in third world countries. It's dark in Germany and in Russia and in Manhattan and in Tel Aviv. Oylem is dark. And our function in this world is that despite the darkness, we should exert ourselves to see the truth of his judgments in this world. The display of the Kale chai Vikayum, the Kale Nikomos Hashem, that's the purpose of the darkness, so that we should choose to see the truth. And that's why David gives us the following advice. He tells us, Rakbene if you would only be sure to look with your eyes, Vishilumat tire, Then you'll see the retribution that comes upon the wicked, Tehillim. You want Akadosh Baruch to come down and hold open your eyes and point? Something you have to do? I'm showing you things all the time, says Hashem. If only you would look with your eyes. If you're looking for the Shofet Ha'aretz, you'll see the Shilumas, rishaim, the payback on the wicked all around you. And the more you see, the more das you acquire. That's why we must study all the stories that we read about the punishments of the Rishoyim. And never forget them. I have clippings at home from the papers. I kept them so that I won't forget what Hashem did. I have a whole notebook of such anecdotes. And I take it out from time to time to read them. Because I want to see through the darkness and acquire das. And I like to tell these stories too. Because people tend to forget them right away. I'll share with you a few examples. I like to tell the story of a man named Mike Todd. That wasn't his real name. Goldbagin was his name. Avram Hirsch Goldbagin. He was a Jew from Chicago or some place like that. And he changed his name. Avram Hirsch became Mike Todd. And he went into the movie business and even married a famous actress. Elizabeth Taylor, a Goya. He was sitting on top of the world. He was filled with money and glory and success. He's laughing at the whole world. And now he's riding in his private airplane and suddenly Mike Todd falls out of his plane. That's what happened. And as Mike is falling down, he could have reminded himself that his name is not Mike at all. It's Avram Hirsch. Oy vey, why did I leave my home? Why did I become a Russian and marry a Shiksa? It took a long time before he hit the sidewalk. He had plenty of time to think. And then he finally met the sidewalk. I can't describe it to you, but he was mopped up with a sponge. So my Todd, when he was falling out of his plane, he was doing us a big favor. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was doing us a big favor by making a big display, by showing us that he does take revenge in this world, that wicked people don't escape judgment. Mike Todd could have died on his deathbed from pneumonia, let's say, and it wouldn't have been any headlines. But that the big movie producer Mike Todd, at that time he was famous, should fall out of an airplane, it was a sensation. And it didn't just happen that way by accident. Hashem did it, and he did it because he wants us to see it and to study it. I do it myself. You know, I make it my business year after year to keep the yurtzeit of Mike Todd. I tell everybody about the news. Maybe you don't want to hear about Hashem showing his ways in this world. But I'm not going to forget it. I'm going to look at the shilumas Rishoim in this world and grow in Das Hashem. It's happening all the time. Here, this liberal who came from out west, a Jew, Finn was his name. Finn. He was a fighter for the rights of blacks. That was his whole life fighting for blacks. He was a liberal, so he had to show off. He said that the black nation are his best friends. So when he came to Queens for a visit, one of his friends, a black friend, came out from behind the bushes and killed him. So he got his. You remember when Mr. and Mrs. Wax were going to a party, a convention they called it, Friday night in Los Angeles. He, a big editor at Playboy, and she, the devoted wife, of this maneuver, were riding in a plane on Friday night. Now I suppose this party wasn't kosher. No question, there was all kinds of immorality there. It wasn't the Shabbat after all. So they were traveling in a plane, and the engine falls off. And now the plane is turning over, and it's headed for the ground. Now, it's a mechaya when a plane crashes. It's a lot of fun. And Mr. and Mrs. Wachs are sitting in the plane, and they see it's going down. Ooh, oh no, their hearts are pumping out of their breasts as they're waiting for the crash to come. Oh no, Shelton, oh no, Judith, and then crash, they were smashed. If we had real Torah newspapers, it would be big headlines, front page headlines. HaKadosh Borchu throws Mr. and Mrs. Wachs, Aleichem Hashnubel, out of an airplane. Those are the headlines we have to study. Of course, the newspapers won't tell you that. They'll tell you about the engine falling off, yes. But who made it fall off? Even the from newspapers aren't going to tell you that it was HaKadosh Baruch who crashed the plane. Today, if you look in the newspapers, nothing at all is mentioned about the very great retribution being visited upon the world. A tremendous plague. a HaKadosh Baruch Hu is making a big display of his revenge on the sinners by bringing upon them an incurable sickness. In New York City alone, 11,000 deaths have been reported from AIDS. 11,000 deaths in New York City alone. And there are many thousands more that weren't reported. They're ashamed. At least 600,000 are suffering from AIDS in this country. In a few years, it will be a million at least. The hospitals will be crowded with Rishayim, suffering from the Nekama of HaKadosh Even today, the hospitals are jammed with beds of AIDS patients. The Makas B'choydois is going on terribly. There was never an epidemic in America like the AIDS epidemic. The gays are dying like flies everywhere. Ken Yirbu. Of course, nothing is said about this. Nobody wants to say the simple truth, that it's a retribution. Just like Paro, when the Makos came, so he called the Khartoumim. Come get rid of the Makos, he told them. You're a smart man, you could find a cure. So the government is looking for scientists in hospitals and laboratories to do research and get rid of AIDS. Meanwhile, they're not getting rid of AIDS. But our Kalish Baruch is getting rid of the Mishkav Zacharnik's. The him suffer a great deal from AIDS. They lie in the hospital and they cry. Why did this happen to me? What do you want from me? Why should this happen? It's a big kasha. They don't know why it's happening. Why don't they call me up and ask me? I'll tell them right now. It's not a kasha at all. That's how it should be. All the diseases that come upon the people who are promiscuous, that's how it should be. All those people who drink booze and then they ride on the highway and get squashed. That's how it should be. The morgues are full of young people who die from narcotics. That's how it's supposed to be. Every day, you read about wicked men who get killed on the highway or shot down by their competitors, or they die of AIDS. All good news is constantly coming in the obituary columns. Now I understand that right away you'll ask me questions. Don't we see that this Sadik died and this Adam Kasher died? Ad Khan Divrei Yetzir Hara When an old guddle dies, how long do you expect them to live? Two hundred and fifty years? They have to die someday. It's part of nature that people get old and pass away. Sabit means you have to look to see past the darkness. In fact, I am convinced of the fact that the Roshayim suffer in this world much more than the Sadikim do. You know the newspapers are full of lies. They don't want to tell you the truth. They refuse to tell the whole truth. And still, they cannot conceal what is happening to the Reshoim. Now you shouldn't buy the New York Times, but sometimes you pass by a garbage can and can pick it out of the garbage can. Take a look at the obituary page. It's the only page in that paper that's worth anything. Every day, this one died at 40, a famous actress in the gay task force. This one died at 38. This one died at 25. This one died at 50. Every day, they're dying like flies. New York Times is doing a great service to the world. It's letting us know the good news, the besides toivest. The- now we have to think about this, because how many Roshi Yeshivas have been cut down by bullets and queens? Tzadikim, don't die of AIDS, you know. When was the last time you heard of a Roshi Yeshiva who fell out of an airplane? It doesn't happen. They should all live. Le'orech <laughs> yomim but sooner or later, the wicked get what's coming their way. And that's what David HaMelech points out to us. Listen to his words in Tehillim. He's talking about when he sees Rishayim, who seem to be successful. El ela Rishayim, v'shal they oilam hisku chayil. Look at these Rishayim, David says. They seem to be forever in tranquility. And they've acquired strength and wealth. So I might think, says David, ach Rik. Zikiti livavi. Maybe I have purified my heart for nothing. What's it all worth? If I see that the Rishayim are succeeding, then I feel like all of my avoda was a waste. The success of the Rishayim is a dagger in the heart of the Maimon. So David continues, Ad Avo El Megdashay until I come to the sanctuaries of Hashem. When I came to the Mikdash of Hashem, where the Kohanim are teaching the truth of the Torah, they told me, Avina l'acharitam. Take your time. Don't rush to conclusions. Let us think into the end of these Reshoim Right now, they seem successful. But Avina l'acharitam. Let us ponder about what will be. Here's A.B. Hoffman, a waste of a Jewish soul. He was raising the sky with his tumult, demonstrating against all the imaginary ills of society. And he was getting a lot of publicity too. He was all over TV, and he was getting millions of dollars of publicity for his causes. He was demonstrating everywhere, and he was on top of the world. Ah, that's a successful Russia. But years later, the newspapers reported that at the age of 52, he committed suicide. It took some time. I was thinking about him often. What's going to be with him? Maybe he'll do teshuva. Could be. Finally, Akalish Baruch Hu didn't wait any longer. Ah, Avina lacheritam We had to bide our time. A.B. Hoffman, a poor fellow, alone and depressed, killed himself in Chicago. It was probably the first mitzvah he ever did in his life. Ubi'artah artahara mikirbecha. And you should remove the wickedness from your midst. Devarim. That was the end of his Shalve Oilam Hisku Chayil. Here's a man, a big activist for the gays. He was leading the marches and laughing at the Orthodox. And now I read in the newspaper that he died at the young age of 42. Another one, his partner, at the age 41. He's gone too. So if you open your eyes, you'll see on all sides that you have to be patient. While they're marching, waving banners, winning in the courts, proud of who they are, we just bide the time. So what if they're sitting on top of the world now? So what? Avinu l'achritam. We'll see what's going to be the end of them. Now, we can't end our discussion with just the Puranusam Shel Rishayim in this world. By no means is that the whole story. Oh no, this world is only a mashal. When we say that the wicked people get their recompense, it's important to make very clear that the Nikmas Hashem that we see in this world is only a muchel of what he's going to get over there. The Mishkov Zacharnik's who are suffering with AIDS have to know that it's only the beginning. The real fun is yet to come. The other side of the grave is worse than AIDS. It won't stop with death. It will continue forever and ever Every time he commits that terrible sin, he has 15 or 20 mises based in. Each time, it's 15 or 20 mises based in that he committed. And if he lived a long time, there's no end to the trouble that he brought on himself. Gehenum Kala, vehaim enum Kalim. They'll be punished forever and ever. They're suffering terribly over there right now. Only why doesn't the Torah tell us openly what's doing in Gehenna? Because the Torah wants to conceal it from us. If the Torah would describe for us too much what Gehenna looks like, it would be frightful. We'd become sadikim. We'd have no choice. So the Torah doesn't speak openly about Gehenna in order that we should have an isayan. So a Jew says, look, the Torah doesn't speak about Gehenna, so I don't have to think about Gehenna. You won't think about Gehenna, so you're not afraid, and you're willing to do sins. But we must think about Gehenna all the time, because that's an important part of the das we're expected to achieve in this world, the das of Hinase Shofet Haaretz, of exalting the judge of the world in our eyes. And without Gehenna, there's never true justice. HaKadosh Baruch wants us to always remember that there's another world where all accounts will be settled for good and for bad. You remember when the Supreme Court in Israel set free Ivan Demjanjuk, Yemachshimo, it was an avla, a terrible injustice. That's what the Supreme Court does in Medina Israel. It promotes wickedness. Here's a man, a Ukrainian Russia, who participated in the sadistic slaughter of thousands of the Am Yisrael. Not thousands. Tens of thousands. And so when we hear that such a person is a free man, walking the streets as if nothing ever happened, it's a terrible blow to our neshamas. Someone called me on the phone, he said, Where's the Yashus?" You know, it's the same question with Hitler, Yemach Shemoh. or If there ever was one. In the history of the world, there was no bigger Rotsayach than him. And he got away with it in this world. What did he do at the end? He saw that when his plans began to fall apart and he was going to lose the war. So he took a perfumed flavored poison and he painlessly left the world. He left on his own terms, he took a perfumed poison and left this world b'shalom. That's not the way Hitler should be leaving this world. I have other ideas on how to send him off. And if I do, then HaKadosh Baruch has much better ideas than me. So what does it mean when Hitler and Damjanjuk and other Lishayim too don't get their just desserts? Is that justice? Is that yashrus? And so our neshamas are confused and depressed. Leis din ve dayan. There's no judge and there's no justice being meted out. The answer is that the true settling of accounts waits for the next world. The Rishayim would be lucky if this world was the end for them. And that's what our Kaddish Baruch was showing us when the Rishayim walk around in peace in this world. Look, do you think that there could have been any true Nekama for these Rishoyim in this world anyhow? Whatever the Supreme Court would have done to Demjanjuk, or whatever we would have done to Hitler, if they had hung him, if they had put him in the electric chair, even if they would have cut him up into little pieces, what would it mean anyhow? Is that a Nekama for a man who spilled so much Jewish blood? It's nothing at all. Rishayim living in this world or even leaving this world painlessly is a reminder for us that it's the beginning of a very big career in the next world for them. The fun for Hitler and them Jamjuk begins over there. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu, lets the Rishayim get away with it in order that we should know there's a next world. Hashem says to us, I'm going to let this Russia go free. It was Hashem after all. I'm going to set him free in order that you should train yourself to think about the real Nekama. The Nekama Gedoila of Gehenna. Avinu l'achritam. You have to understand the end. The real end of the Rishayim. He's not a free man at all. And therefore, when we see a Russia like Hitler go out of this world painlessly, or a murderer like them, Jamjuk, be acquitted and then go back to his normal life in Cleveland. We are reminded that there is waiting for them another world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is reminding us that he's waiting for these fellows in the next world. They'll get there and they'll get what's coming to them. It is of utmost importance to know that there's a Gehenim, and not in the superficial way of most people to actually feel in your bones that the Rishayim are suffering in Gehenim right now. And in Gehenim, that's where nobody gets away with anything. There's no Israeli Supreme Court in Gehenim to acquit the Rishayim. They're in Gehenim too. But nobody is asking them their opinion anymore. In the world to come, the Rishayim will all get what's coming to them. Of course, included in that is that we're going to get all the reward that's coming to us. No question. In the next world, all the cheshboinis are calculated exactly. All accounts are settled. It shouldn't be the slightest doubt in your mind. That's a yisod hayasodis. And included in that is kol haomer borchu vatran. Anyone who says that ha-kadosh borchu is forgiving, he's playing with his life. Bavakama. Hashem doesn't forgive. Of course, if you're still alive and you do teshuva and you ask him forgiveness, that's something else. But otherwise, there's no forgiving. When a man dies with sins, it's going to be very bad for him. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will then face him in a way that the person never imagined. A face that he didn't recognize in this world. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has two faces. One face in this world and one face in the next world. In this world, his face is the face of Chesed. He's forgiving and kindly. He's Marich Af. It means he gives you a chance again and again. But once a person dies, it's all over. In the next world, Hashem shows the stern face of a judge. He doesn't forgive. It's too late for that. And Rishayim we will get it. They're getting it right now. They're in Gehenna and they're being tortured constantly. The Gemara in describes how Titus was brought up by a balas of a necromancer and the neshama of Titus was describing what he had to undergo in the next world every day. Oy, it was terrible. He's being burned to death every day. You know, being burned to death is not a compote. It's not a very delightful experience. Every time he's reduced to ashes... It's terrible. If you ever read about a victim who was burned alive at the stake, it's the most terrible death to be burned to death. He's being burnt over and over again. And the Gemara says that our Baruch Hu gives the Rishayim Koach to suffer. They're given a tremendous ability to endure the suffering. You have to imagine in your mind what Hitler is undergoing right now in Gehenim. He killed millions, millions of Amashem. And so he's in Gehenim right now and he's putting on a performance every day. Every day they revive him they make him alive again with his flesh and his nerves. And every day they scrape the skin off of him and they hang him up and they cut off pieces and pieces of him. And he screams and screams. He screams all the time. Hitler is being given all that he did to his victims again and again. And he's not the only one. It's very crowded down there. Very crowded and very hot. All the shame are in Gehenna right now. Pay attention. You hear that noise? They're getting it in Gehenna. There is a terrible outcry in Gehenna right now. And the fact that they are being terribly punished for what they did, that's a great happiness for us. Even now in this world, the Ma'aminim are fortified knowing what's doing in the next world. And when we come to the next world, we're not in a rush. We'll be able to witness the culmination of... Shilum Shahim, when we are finally able to see the revenge we'll look on with happiness the tzaddikim right now are watching the justice being served there's a big audience watching what's doing in gehenum the tzaddikim are sitting and laughing their sides off they're enjoying it to no end yismach tzaddik ki the tzaddik rejoices when he sees revenge pa'amov arasha. He washes his feet in the blood of the Rasha. One of the secret pleasures of Gan Eden is watching the suffering of these Rashaim. The Tzadikim are given front row seats in Gan Eden and they're enjoying the sights. That's part of the reward in the next world. The Tzadikim are rewarded. Not only do the Tzadikim in the next world enjoy the happiness of the great and everlasting banquet of Olam Haba, but they enjoy also the sight of those who are present and there's nothing on the table in front of them. It's going to be an enjoyment without end. The tzaddikim are sitting and looking at Hitler and Titus and at Haman as they're being broiled and baked over and over again. They're crying out and tzaddikim are shepping nachas without end. They have better things to do there too, but this is part of it. Now I know that for you Americans this sounds harsh, but this is David HaMelech speaking. He goes on and tells us why this sight brings rejoicing. And then men will say, truly there is reward for the righteous. Truly there is a God that judges the world to heal him. Because now they see that our Kaddosh Baruch Hu is righteous. Everything makes sense and all accounts are being settled. The Simchas HaTzadikim cannot be complete until they see that Hashem is the Shofet Emes. That all accounts are being settled. And that's going to be in Gan Eden and in Gehenem. It's not merely a sadistic joy, the immature and materialistic Nakama of the fools, but it will be a great consolation. That Nakama, because it will be the ultimate vision of seeing Hashem in full control, the true Shofet HaAretz. Now, Olam Haba is only a place of reward. All of the happiness of seeing the Shofet Haaretz in perfect judgment in the next world is only a reward for the work we put into seeing the Shofet Haaretz in this world. And that means that the more one sees while he's still alive, the more Deya he achieves in this world, the more he'll see in the next world forever and ever. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't leave this world without seeing the punishment upon the Midyanim, with his own eyes. The man who strived for perfection all of his life, the man who wanted to see Hashem most in this world, deserved the last opportunity for even more perfection. Take vengeance for the B'nai Yisrael from the Midyanim, and only afterward shall you be gathered into your peoples. Teaches that one of the greatest perfections in Das Hashem is seeing the Kel Nekomos Hashem. And it is the awareness of the Kel-Nekamas Hashem that we achieve in this world that will equip us to enjoy the splendor of the Hinose Shofet Haaretz, the most exalted and perfect judge in the world to come forever and ever. Have a wonderful Shabbos.